Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Just like you, I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Sing it with me. Please, won't you be my neighbor? Good morning, everybody. How many of you grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Don't be ashamed, amen. You don't have to be embarrassed. Come on, I know there's a few more of you out there. How about some Mr. Rogers fans? Give, it a, give me a shout, amen. All right. I remember growing up watching Mr. Rogers. He wore a plain sweater, canvas sneakers, a warm smile, and he sang a simple song that welcomed so many of us as children every day while we were growing up to a television show that captivated generations of children. That show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and its founder and star, Fred Rogers, became a PBS legend. Now, my wife, believe it or not, had never seen the show. And so I know it's, it's hard to believe and so I showed her a tape of it one day, and she said, are you serious? I was highly offended, I'm just going to tell you. Because as a child, I watched Mr. Rogers, and I always learned some of the simple but powerful lessons that he showed us on that program. It was the same house. Nothing changed over the years on that show. The same trolley that would take you to the world of make-believe. The same puppets, King Friday the 13th, and that same opening song that we all just enjoyed together. Every episode, Mr. Rogers asked the same question in that song, please, won't you be my neighbor? Now today we're kicking off a brand new series for the month of August called Be My, month of October, called Be My Neighbor. And my sermon title today is, Love My Neighbor. Love My Neighbor. 
Fred Rogers would ask us every day, please won't you be my neighbor? And it, it sounded kind of like just a simple request in a very simple song, right? And although that show went off the uh, air many years ago, you can only see it today by reruns or on YouTube. The reality is that we all live in a world, especially over the last year and a half, two years, where so many people have been in isolation. We live in a world where people, even though they might not be saying it out loud, they're thinking it and they're feeling it. Please, won't somebody be my neighbor? Amen. Maybe not my next door neighbor. Maybe not somebody in my apartment complex. Maybe not somebody that lives on my same street. But really it's more of a cry from a hungry world. Uh, a, a cry for friendship and for love and for relationships. It's a cry for real people with real values, with, with a heart that cares and forgives. I want us to look at the Bible this morning as we kick our series off. And we talk about this this entire month of October. Mark chapter 12 and verse 28. And it says, One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. And he realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. And then he said this, the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Everybody say amen. Those are the words of Jesus right there. So the question is, what is your community of friends? What is your circle of people like? What's your neighborhood like? Although we know every neighborhood is different, there's a lot of things that are common to almost all neighborhoods. Many of our neighbors probably know very little, if nothing, about the Bible. Some of our neighbors have no friends who are genuine or, or real Christians. Most people have neighbors who tend to be suspicious by nature. Everybody's got that one person on their street, right? You know, that's just suspicious of everything. Our neighbors often feel that issues in their lives are out of control. Our neighbors, when you think about it, folks, they're really no different than the rest of us in the sense that they are seeking for answers to all the questions of life, and they're just looking for fulfillment on some level. That's what everybody wants. We live in square houses with windows that are built for looking out and not in. We have privacy fences to protect our children and our property lines, but really it's just more so we can have some privacy and our own safe space. We grill in the backyard so it can just be us, and at the very most we might wave to the people who live on our streets, but you know many times we don't really know their names, do we? Since we, though, as believers are to be the light of the world, and we are Christ's ambassadors to our generation, we really must stop and ask ourselves, what would my neighborhood be like if Jesus lived in my neighborhood? What would it be like if Jesus was in my neighborhood? What would he be doing that I'm not doing? How would he be impacting his street and this apartment complex or the block. See, Jesus would certainly have concern 
and compassion for his neighbors. He was always going out of his way to help people, to not avoid them. And when you look at his life, Jesus was friendly with the folks that others didn't care about. And he was quick to give mercy and to people that were oftentimes quick uh, for other people to judge. Jesus would probably have put his grill and his picnic table in the front yard, right, instead of the back. Jesus would have been parked out by the street with a lemonade stand, and he'd have been giving away lemonade and giving away free hot dogs and, and hamburgers. That would have been Jesus. Jesus probably would have torn down his privacy fence. He would open up the doors. He would open up the windows of his house. He would probably have a neighborhood cookout or a block party on a pretty consistent basis. His house would be the ones where all the kids played at. How many of you know there's always a house in the neighborhood where all the kids end up at, right? He would be the guy whose lawn would not be very nice because of all the bicycles. And Hodge would be a mess and he would probably get slightly frustrated from time to time because most of his tools would have been loaned out to the neighbors. And he wouldn't have got them back yet, right? He would probably even drive a minivan just so he can bring people to church with him on Sunday. Jesus' neighborhood would probably look a lot different than ours does because Jesus would be in it, acting a little differently than probably most of us, if we're being honest, act on a day-to-day basis. His theme song probably would have sounded a lot like Fred Rogers' song, Won't You Please, Won't You Please, Please, Won't You Be my neighbor. Now you see the reason I say this and the reason we're taking a whole month to talk about this is because Jesus actually felt pretty strong about how we treat other people in our lives. Amen. One time he had an interaction with a guy that wanted to test Jesus with a question about the law. I want to bring your attention to Luke chapter 10 verse 25 and I'll, I'll share the story with you. One day, I don't recall Fred Rogers having bottled water in the 60s, amen? Poor guy missed out on something special. He says this, one day, John, Luke 10, 25, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this, and you will live. The man who wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, but who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? See, this guy wanted to test Jesus, and Jesus asked him, what does the law say? How do you read it? He answers about loving God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. And then he says, you got to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus tells him, yep, that's all right. If you do it, you're going to live. Then the guy asked Jesus, he said, well, then Jesus, I need to know who is my neighbor. Is it the guy next door? Is it the lady across the street? Is it the guy that I work with? Who is my neighbor? Folks, that's a good question that we need to ask ourselves. Who is my neighbor? Just who am I supposed to love? How are we supposed to love? 
Who is supposed to be my neighbor? See, Jesus gave the answer to the lawyer, his question in Luke 10 in the next verses. In the classic fashion that Jesus always liked to do it. What did he do? He started telling him a story, right? Jesus always did that. I had a pastor friend of mine. He was a mentor in my life. And uh, he was an advisor, an elderly pastor. His, his name was uh, W.C. Parkey, and he used to speak into my life. And I would call him, especially sometimes when I was a young pastor, and I would ask him and say, Brother Parkey, I've got this situation. What, what should I do? And this is what he always said. He said, well, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but let me tell you a story. <laughs> and he would proceed to tell me a story, and by the end of that story, I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. Well, that's what Jesus did right here. He said, let me tell you a story. In reply, Jesus said, there was this man, Luke 10, 30, who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So, too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, <coughs> came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. I mean, do you see how far this guy is going? It's pretty amazing. He said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hand of robbers? So the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. See, this great story gives us a very strong indication of who we are supposed to love, who is supposed to be our neighbor. I don't know if you caught it or not, but here's the answer. Anyone and everyone. Come on, church. Can I get a little amen? Come on. If I can put on a Mr. Rogers sweater for you, you can give me a gratuitous amen today. Amen. <laughs> anyone. That's who we're supposed to love. I saw on a church marquee one time, it said this, love everyone, God will sort them out later. Well, that's good advice, isn't it? Our job is just to love everybody. Let God do the judging. Let God do the sorting. Let God do the figuring out, amen? We're just to love people. I love that. We're to love people of other cultures, other races, other social standings. They are my neighbor. Remember the children's song we used to sing in Sunday school? Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Amen. Handicapped or whole, rich or poor, Democrat or Republican, come on, it doesn't matter. In other words, everybody is my neighbor. The person that's struggling in every area of their life. And we know they're making bad choices. And we know their bad choices are not honoring God. Guess what? We know they got in the mess they're in because of their own actions. Love them anyway. They're your neighbor. The Muslim or the Buddhist that you want to convert to Christianity. You don't understand them. They don't understand you. Love them. Be a neighbor to them. Amen. Because hear me, a neighbor's not just somebody you agree with. 
I'm, I'm just going to drill down on this. I mean, a neighbor's not somebody you just agree with. A neighbor's not somebody that you agree with their lifestyle or the way they raise their kids. Come on. Or how they vote or what they think about COVID. Come on. A neighbor is whoever is in your sphere of influence. You're supposed to love them with the love of Jesus Christ. I need some help from the believers in this house. Amen. Because hear me right now. That's the only way we're going to fix what's broken in this world is with the love of Jesus. A neighbor is any fellow human being. Your neighbor may not go to the same church as you. They may not share your doctrine. They may not share your convictions. We're to love them anyway. Because hear me, God's going to sort us all out later. And I don't want to be surprised which section I end up in. Amen? (laughs) When all the sorting is over, I want to make sure I'm in the right spot. See, because learning to love people around us, our neighbors, it means a lot of things. Sometimes it means helping them when they need help. Look at James chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, check it out, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Hey, man, I see, you're, are you hungry? I can hear your stomach growling from here. Are you thirsty? I see those parched lips. You don't have any shoes on. What's up? God bless you, sir. I hope things get better. What did the Bible say? It said, what good does that do? Amen? What good does that do? The Scripture says if your neighbor's lacking clothing or food and we have the ability to do something about it, we should help them. Amen? See, your neighbor might be sitting right next to you on the pew. I'm thankful that in this church, we've done that many times. We've helped a lot of people over the years. Thank God for a good church that loves people and loves our community. Amen? But what about me personally? See, we need God to give us a fresh renewal of love for our fellow man. Help me, Lord, to love my neighbor. Not just with my words, but whenever I'm able, with my deeds. I don't know who said it, but someone once said that Christians should always preach a sermon and when necessary, use words. Preach your sermon and when you have to, use your words. In other words, live a life that exemplifies who Jesus is and what he wants us to be. Everything in the Bible and God's kingdom hinges on the first two commandments. And we read earlier Mark 12, 29 through 31. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. See, the only way a person is going to be able to stand boldly in the day of judgment, I believe, is by being a real neighbor and a real Christian. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, most important of all, now let me just stop. Whenever you see statements like that in the Bible, most important of all, (laughs) The greatest of these is this. Above all else, do this. When you see statements like that in the Bible, stop, get out your notepad, pay attention and say, okay, what is he getting ready to drop on me right now? This must be good. And here it is, most important of all, what? Continue to show deep love for each other because love covers a multitude of sins. Continue to show love for each other. How do I do that? How do I fulfill this command? It's the love of God that enables us to do this. 
There are many themes that run throughout the Bible, folks. Holiness, obedience, righteousness, stewardship, grace, law, mercy, atonement, you name it. They're all in there. But hear me, there's no greater theme in all of the Scripture than the love of God. Amen. Love captures the very heartbeat of God. The greatest of the commands in the Bible deals with that theme. The greatest command to love God, and it said the second greatest command to love your neighbor. Now, I know we're capable of it, and you don't even have to be a believer to love your neighbor. Look at natural disasters. What happens when we have hurricanes that strike certain parts of the country or, or some type of earthquake or, or wildfire and, and all this? We come together. Everybody remember 9-11, how we all came together. And anytime there's a major crisis, we all come together for a minute. Right? For a minute. But did you know love and kindness are things that come naturally to us? And what about the everyday stuff? What about the day-to-day basis kind of living? How are we to show love on an ongoing basis? There was a song that came out several years ago. I can't remember who the Christian artist was that, that sang it, but he said, if we are his body, what are our hands doing? If we are his body, what are our feet doing? Where are our feet going, I mean? See, this theme of love, it really is not unusual for Christians. It's woven throughout the Bible. I want you to look at Galatians 5 and 4. Here's another one of those stand up and take notice verses. For the entire law is fulfilled in. Boom, stop right there. Check this out. Genesis to Malachi. The entire law is fulfilled. The entire Old Testament. Here it is. It's fulfilled in keeping this one command. Are you ready? Five words. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. You mean to tell me all of that law, 614 laws, 2,000 hedge laws, 20,000 additional laws that the Pharisees added, all those books of the Bible, you mean love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. See, we got to acknowledge that as humans, it isn't always easy to love other people, right? But as Christians, the Bible says we must love. We love God by obeying his commands and trying to live a life that pleases him, and then we become the hands and feet of Jesus to love other people that same way. Folks, it is the love of God that allows us to do that. That's the only way we can do that on a day-in and day-out basis. I preached about it last week. It's the love of God, the Calvary love, modeled after the love of Jesus, a love that would lay down his life for you and I. It's a love that was there despite our sinful conditions. Aren't you glad that God didn't look at you and say, he doesn't deserve it? Amen? It was unconditional love. It was unreciprocating love. It was a love that goes out whether it's returned or not. That's the way that he loved us. And that's the way he wants us to try to love other people. Again, you might say, I I can't do that. You can try. With the love of Jesus flowing through you, amen? You can try. I talked about it last week. The love of God is not eros love, the sensual love. It's not filio love, the the love of friendship or affection, but it's agape love. Unconditional love, a deliberate choice to love. It is founded on the very nature of God himself. 
And folks, the love of God doesn't come from an impulse or from feelings. It's not based on physical attraction. It's not tainted by selfishness. What can you do for me? What do I get out of this deal? How can this make me feel good? It's not founded on the shifting sand of mutual benefits. It is more than words. It's action. Amen. Thank you. See, the love of God is so much higher than our love because our love's measured out by people's performance, by whether someone meets our approval, by people's conduct, by our feelings. But God loves us always. Amen. It has nothing to do with my performance. I can never be worthy enough of it. He loves me unconditionally. Look at 1 John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. But don't miss the second part of that verse. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. See, he didn't just say love your neighbor. He said love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. How many of you know that that really puts a wrinkle in the equation, right? How many of you know that? That just escalates into another. Yeah, I can love my neighbor. I can, yeah, but can you love him as much as you love yourself? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? You want to know how much we love each other? Where do we spend most of our money? Ourselves. And when I say ourselves, if you have a family, I'm talking about loving your family really is a kind of a way of loving yourself too. What do we think about when our decisions are made? Ourselves. When somebody invites you to do something or to go somewhere or to participate in something, what do you immediately think? How's this going to affect my schedule? Come on, is anybody else out there that feels that way, right? Well, uh, well what is this going to cost me? Or how much is going to be the investment of my time? And what, what, what is this going to do to my family? What, what am I going to have to? Ourselves. What do we gauge everything by? How it affects us, right? That's just human nature. How does it affect my time, my schedule, my hobbies, my entertainment choices? How much of my time do I need to give to others or to my kids or to God or to the church? How much is ourselves? Even family time, needs, finances, many times these are just an extension of us loving ourselves. Because we feel noble when we do something for our kids, right? But that's easy. That's my flesh and blood. It's easy for me to do that. Papa, would you get me a toy? Yes. Dad, can you help give me some advice about this? Yes. You don't even think about it. But doing for others, loving my neighbor, it can be a challenge at times. But you know, sometimes we've got to first open our ears and hear the cry of this generation. And folks, hear me, it doesn't have to be complicated. That's the point I want to drive home today. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to break the bank. It doesn't have to destroy uh, your, your checking account. Just a couple of weeks ago, and this, I don't know if this has ever happened to me, frankly, but a couple of weeks ago, I was driving. I was, I was uh, in Matthews County, about an hour and a half from here. I was in the, in the boondocks. It was almost dark. Robin was with me. And I hit a piece of metal in the road. I couldn't really tell what it was. It was something small. I felt it when I hit it, and I thought, oh, man. And I just kept going. And in about three or four minutes, I could feel uh, my little tire pressure sensor came on in my car. And it was like, oh, boy. So I pulled in. And I was on a dark road, and I had to drive for a little while. Finally, there was a 7-Eleven. I pulled into the 7-Eleven, 
and I got ready to put air in my tire, and I got mad first because first I had to pay $2 to put air in my car. That just makes me mad, amen? I'm like, come on, dude. Yeah, I feel like Joe Biden, come on, man. <laughs> That's his new line. I was like, come on, man. $2, I had to pull my credit card out. It put $2, put some air in my tire. I'm like, okay, let's see if this holds. Got in the car. Man, I got about two minutes down the road. It's like, oh, no. Sensor's back on. I can start feeling it go down. So I pull across the bridge, and now I'm on Gwen's Island. There's a little restaurant on the right. I pull in the parking lot. It's almost dark. We were going to try to get a bite to eat, but now I got to change a tire. So I back up into the spot, and she's like, are we going to go in and get something to eat? I was like, no, I got to change this tire before it gets dark. And the whole time now, I'm trying to act like everything's cool. I'm like praying, Jesus, please let there be air in that spare. Amen. I'm like, because I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the husband. I got to have my stuff together. So I go back and I confidently open up the back of the car. And then I flip that. And I'm, the whole time I'm praying, Jesus, please don't let that thing be flat. And I pop it up and I pull out the spare. And I'm like, boom, boom. Yeah, there it is. I'm ready. Then I pull this jack out of the back. It looked like one of those jacks that came in a jack-in-the-box. I mean, this little teeny thing, and I thought, man, this is going to be trouble. I've used some jacks, and this does not qualify. They must have barely got this under the manufacturer's requirements. So I pulled this thing out, and I told Robin, I said, man, that thing is pretty unstable. So I'm putting it down, and I finally found the little spot where you put it, and I start cranking it up, and it's wobbling, it's wobbling. I'm like, oh, Lord. It's wobbling around. I'm like, man, what's going to happen? So finally, I said, you know what? Roll me that spare. So I take the spare, and I slide it up under the edge. She's like, what are you doing? I said, just in case that jack turns over. I don't want the whole weight of my rotor and brakes and front end to crash onto this pavement. So I slide that little cheap donut tire under there, and I'm getting it, and everything's good. Before I jacked it up, I thought, let me just go ahead and break the lug nuts off of this so everything's already loose and everything's loose, and I got the lug nut. And so I'm like, man, I thought of everything. Got the jack. I got the spare under there. I'm good to go. So I reach up to get that big 18-inch tire or 16-inch, whatever, and I'm, I'm jerking a pull, and sure enough, bam, jack turns over. That little donut is just screaming for everything. The whole weight of the Ford Edge is resting on it. I look, my rotor is just barely digging into the pavement. I'm like, oh, man, this is a disaster. And Robin looks at me and goes, what are you going to do? And I didn't say it, but what I wanted to say was, I have no idea. And I said, I'm going to have to find somebody with a jack. She said, well, where is it? So some dude is throwing garbage in the dumpster, restaurant guy. I said, hey, man, do you have a jack? No, I ain't got no jack. He's just throwing trash. I'm like, oh, boy. I'm like, what are we going to do? And this couple comes down with their teenage son, and they're walking down the steps. I said, sir. And I, now I'm feeling like I'm like, okay, this guy probably thinks, what is this guy getting, re getting ready to ask for? How much money? Does I said, sir. I'm never, I said, do you have a jack that I can borrow? I was embarrassed. My manhood has already been brought down about six levels. I'm looking over my, my car. I didn't tell this in the first service. Some old dude walks by, and he's looking at my tires and going, those things are pretty thin. I wanted to say, shut up, man. I don't need to hear that right now. <laughs> Duh. Rocket scientist. Thanks a lot. Go over there and eat your sandwich. Amen. That's what I was but, you know, I'm a Christian. I would never say that out loud. 
Like, dude, get away from me. You ain't going to help me. You're going to mock my tires. So I asked this guy, I said, do you have a jack? He goes, oh, yes, I've got a jack. I said, let me help you. And then his wife goes, were y'all going to get something to eat? The restaurant's getting ready to close. We said, yeah, we were. She said, let me go run up there. Let me buy y'all some food. And I go, no, 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 you don't. She said, no, 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 I insist. She said, where are y'all from? I said, we're in Mechanicsville. She said, so y'all don't live here? We said, no. She said, well, we live on Gwen's Island. Well, we've got a guest apartment. Why don't y'all stay at our guest house tonight? This is all within like 60 seconds. And then the guy pulls his jack out of his car, and it's the same jack that I've got. <laughs> and his son goes, Dad. Your jack looks just like his. And he said, son, take the car and go to the house and get the big hydraulic jack out of the garage. But in the meantime, we're we're trying to finagle his. And you know what? I'm just standing there, and I'm blown away. Not because I'm some great guy, but I'll guarantee you I've stopped at least 10 times in my life to help people change their tires on the side of the road. Especially if I'm just going to say this, if you're a man and there's a woman changing a tire on the side of the road, you don't get to drive past. You got to stop and at least offer some help. That might be the southern boy coming out at me. I don't know. But so, and I just thought, here it is, all coming right back. All this kindness. We'll buy you food. You can stay in our house. We don't have a clue who you are. I'll go get, I'll go get the hydraulic jack. And you know what it was? It was love for a stranger. And I got to experience it firsthand. And then you know what? Long story short, we used that little jack of his and we got it up. And then we got the tire on, got everything straight. And then she said, so what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. She said, oh, do you mean like of a Christian church? And I thought, well, she obviously hasn't been to church in a long time. And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she said, well, she said, I quit going to church many years ago. I said, really, what happened? And she pointed to her teenage son. She said, well, he had a twin. And she said, and when they were born, right after my twins were born, his brother died in the hospital. And she said, I went to my priest and to my religious family and asked them why it happened, and my priest told me it was because of sin in my life. And she said, and, she's, and this is why I'm not going to do it, but she said, I proceeded to give him the double finger salute and told him blank, 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 and she said, I haven't been in a church since. And I looked, and there was this boy, 15, and I did the math. I said, she hasn't been to church in 15 years. I said, God, maybe I got me a flat tire right here, right now. Not so they could help me, but so I could. And so you know what? The first thing I told her was, I said, that is not why your son died. And I proceeded to just share the love of Jesus with her the best way I could in that moment. And she started crying, and she said, I hope you move to Matthews County. She said, there's... Now, for somebody who hasn't been to church in a long, she said, there's 14,000 people here in 36 churches. We could use one with a preacher like you. And I said, well, I'm a hugger. 
Let me give you a hug. I gave her a hug. I hugged her husband. I hugged the, tw- the, the teenage boy was like, Rrr. I didn't care. And you know what, folks? A simple gesture, not my gesture, a simple gesture of love from somebody to me. They didn't have to stop. They didn't have to offer food. Musicians and praise team, come on up. They didn't have to offer us lodging. I thought about the Samaritan. The Samaritan saying, hey, look, man, I've done all I can do, but I got to leave. And he says, I want you to take care of him. And then he said, and whatever the bill is, when I come back, I'll take care of that too. So, folks, here's my challenge today. I want you to stand with me all over this house. I have a challenge for you this week, and this altar call is going to be different than normal. Here's what my challenge is going to be for every single one of us this week. Lord, show me a way to love my neighbor. Help me to, in a practical and real sense, show the love of Christ to somebody this week. Folks, we're going to spend a whole month talking about this. But if we are his hands, what are his hands doing? If we are his feet, where are his feet going? Amen. You may say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know a lot of scriptures. Man, who cares? Be a sermon. Don't preach a sermon. Be a sermon. Well, I don't know a whole lot. No, no, no. Just show them the love of God. Because friends, let me tell you, people are looking for that right now. Love your neighbor. It might be a co-worker at work. It might be the girl at Walmart. It might be the waitress at the restaurant. The challenge this week is for us to put loving your neighbor into practice. Let's not commit to just inviting a friend or neighbor to church. Let's change the way we look at people and the way we love people. Amen? Let's change how we do that. Let's change how we are that. Let's change how we be that. Like with the story of the Good Samaritan in the Bible, help me to not be too pious or too religious to love somebody. Help me to not be too busy to love. And folks, hear me. You might say, well, I, I, can't, I can't do any grand gesture. You don't have to do a grand gesture. Stop and tell somebody you love them. Stop and tell somebody, you sure look nice today. I just wanted you to know that. Hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Maybe, maybe, maybe you go through the express lane at the grocery store, 10 items or less, and you pick up the tab of the person in front of you. Maybe you buy coffee for the person in Starbucks that's behind you, and you leave a church card. I've done that before. I say, and I don't even tell them I'm the pastor. I just say, tell them that somebody that goes to this church just bought their coffee. You never know. You just throw some seed in the ground. You let God water it. But you know what you might say? Well, what if they never come to church? That's all right. They know that a Christian showed a little bit of love when they didn't have to. See, folks, we have been through 18 months of the worst division that I've ever seen in this land. COVID, politics, race, vaccine or no vaccine, mask or no mask. Come on. Uh, we've, we've, we've been through it all. And you know what? All it does, it divides, it divides, it divides. I don't care which side you're on. It's dividing. And division isn't good. You know what we need? We just need people to show people the love of Jesus. Amen? Show people the love of Jesus. Who's my neighbor? Are they breathing? They're your neighbor. 
Well, what if they're living a lifestyle that I don't agree with? You don't have to agree with people to love them. Amen. As a matter of fact, you loving them when they know you don't agree with them will communicate the gospel better than your words will. Please know that. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to step out from where you are if you're comfortable doing that. We're not going to press you. I want you to step out and I want you to make a commitment. And I want you to walk forward and say, God, this week, help me to have my eyes and ears open. And just help me show the love of Jesus to somebody. Help me show the love of Jesus to somebody. Amen. And if you're willing to do that, why don't you step out from where you are? And we're going to ask the Lord to show us. God, is somebody on my Right now, God's already speaking to some of you. Maybe it's a family with COVID. You could take them a meal and drop it off at their porch. We got a whole bunch of people out sick right now. Maybe it's dropping a card in the mail. Maybe it's buying a cup of coffee. Maybe it's telling a coworker that's going through a divorce. Just putting your arm around him and say, look, I'm so sorry. I'm not here to judge you. I just want you to know I love you. Amen. There are ways we can show people the love of Jesus. Amen. If we just want to do it. Do you believe that? All right, so why don't we lift our hands right now as they begin to sing. Let's just ask God to lead us and show us. Amen. I count on one thing. Come on, that's it. God, I love you today, the Jesus. Same God never I thank you today. I thank you today. You won't fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. Working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valleys. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is God, help me to be the hands and feet of you. Help me to show people the love of Jesus. Help me not to judge. Help me to love. 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 Help me to love, Lord. Help me to love. Help me to love. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails. Help me to show the love of Jesus. fail me now. You won't fail me now. The same God who's never late is working all things out. Is working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. For all my days, oh yes, I will. For all my days, come on, that's it. Oh yes, yes God, help me to be your hands. I choose to pray. I choose it to, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. And nothing can stand against. And I choose to pray. Nothing can stand against. And I choose to pray. Yeah, I choose it, God. To glorify, glorify the name of all names. 
nothing can stand against and I choose to praise to glorify glorify the name of all names and nothing can stand against oh yes I will lift you high in the lowest valley yes I will bless your name Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're getting ready to have a baptism, but before we do, I want to close with one passage of Scripture that kind of sums up everything I preached about today. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 8, and I'd like to read it to you from the message. It's so powerful. It says, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Wow. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others. How about that line, church family? Amen. It doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Amen. Let's give God a praise for his word. Amen. He is so good. He's so good. He's so good. We have a baptism right now. Let me bring your attention to the baptistry tank. Amen. What a beautiful celebration. Amen. Sarah Taylor, upon the profession of your faith and obedience to the Lord, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Yes, hallelujah. That's it. Let's give God a praise. Come on. Glorify, glorify the name of Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's it, Sarah. Go ahead, honey. Yes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, I choose to praise, to glorify. 
and nothing can stand against. All right, so I've dropped the gauntlet. I gave you the challenge this week. Go out and find somebody and show them the love of Jesus. Amen? And just show them the love of Jesus. It doesn't have to cost you a dime. Just show somebody the love of Jesus and watch what God can do. Amen? I hope to see you Wednesday night, first Wednesday prayer. It's always the first Wednesday night of the month from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. God bless you. Have a great day. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Great to see you today. Amen? Oh, yes.